Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello and welcome. You are now tuned into Almost 30 Podcast. Welcome. Hello, everybody. It's your girls, Krista and Lindsay. I am Lindsay. And I am Krista. (laughs) We're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Y'all, we haven't missed a week in seven years, okay? Mm. I know you wanted (laughs) us to. Every once in a while, I like to brag about it, but every Mm. single week we have new episodes that truly run the gamut as far as topics go, uh, whether it's health and wellness, spirituality, relationships, sex, aliens, quantum physics, truly nothing we have not touched. Mm -hmm. I know y'all wanted to see us stop, but we didn't. All the haters wanted to see us fail. It's so funny because there's so many people, I forgot about that, that are motivated by like haters. (laughs) I wonder if we'd be bigger if we had a lot of haters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sometimes, uh uh-huh. Sometimes I sit there and I'm like, with more lovers comes more haters. And it's like, do you want that? And I'm like, I don't know. Not tr- There's a, I have a friend who's like, oh, yeah, I have this like subreddit thread about me. It's kind of dope because then I know I've made it. I'm like, what? You're like, yeah, last time that happened to me, I spiraled. Honestly. <laughs> last time I, someone to I delete it. called Reddit headquarters repeatedly. I was I'm, thinking about Reddit in the shower. For, Reddit is so dark why. to me. I was like, damn, that exists. I've never been on to like actually look for something. Oh, yeah, never. Someone will send me. They're like, oh, did you? I'm like, no, please don't. Please clear, cancel, clear, delete any Reddit from my phone. I don't want to even. But, you know, I remember my ex being a developer. There's like there could be interesting, helpful things. So maybe there is interesting, helpful things. And sometimes the things that are not helpful just get sent around. But, yeah, I'll pass that. I'll just I choose to just be loved and not hated at all. That's the experience I want to choose. It's funny when you were talking about the topics that we talk about on the show, because I always forget that before we'd be like entrepreneurship, blah, blah, blah. And I've been interviewed on a few podcasts recently, and they were talking to me about like conscious business and entrepreneurship. I can't even say it. I'm like, what? And it's so weird. It's out of my field. It is out of my field. I'm like, why are they asking me about this? But it's, I mean, it's something that I do, obviously, but it's not. Yeah, it's just very interesting. I'm like, oh, yeah, I am a conscious business owner, but it's so a part of my experience that I don't even really think about it or ever talk about it. And it's not something I'm like promoting. So it's been interesting to talk about that because I'm kind of like perplexed. I'm like, what about it? Yeah. And I think oftentimes like people equate something that you should talk about with what they see. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like where it's like almost the obvious. Yeah. But then there's like such a depth to what you create and what you talk about that sometimes that's a harder thing to even go into in an interview, depending on who's interviewing. Yeah, because I'm like, what's what does business mean to you? I don't know what I don't know how people like what's business? What's the word business? What is that? What is and I'm just all feelings like I'm like, how does everything feel? How do I feel? How do I feel about this thing? And so I'm not really about business stuff even though I am very business but it's been interesting how funny that like we went through that period and oh, I'm yeah. wondering if 
We went through a period where literally every episode was like a founder or talking about entrepreneurship. Oh, yeah. And we had like literally just started our business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were teaching ourselves. It was all the founder's story and like teaching ourselves, which is fine and well and dandy. And there's, yes, you course. know, a lot of... It was girl boss. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely like, wow, you're a woman who started a business. Whoa, you've got burnout. <laughs> This weekend, it was so funny. I wanted to tell you, I was leaving Face Gym, which is a place in LA. They do facial massage. And I've been going there once a month because they've been really helping with my jaw tension. I asked my lady, I was like, what would you say my jaw tension is from one to 10? She's like, probably a nine. I'm like, Jesus Christ. But so it's really helpful for jaw tension. She does like a buccal massage inside your mouth. And it's just really good for TMJ if you need support in just releasing anything, any muscles in the face. And so I was leaving and I was on the phone with Natalia and I was sitting on the phone with her while the valet was pulling up. So we were talking and talking about something stupid. Like we were talking about how we wanted to dress more feminine. And she's saying, she's like, I want to dress more feminine. And I was saying, I want to dress more feminine as well. I noticed that I kind of dress a little bit more masculine, like I always do button downs and jeans and blazers and all these things. And so we were talking about that. And then all of a sudden I can't hear her. I'm like, it like completely blacked out. I'm like, what is she even saying? And then I looked down at my phone and I'm like, oh my God, she's been connected to the Tesla. So the valet was hearing her talk. <laughs> and I got her back to my phone before the valet came around. He was like almost coming around. And I was like, oh my God, what did she just say? She's like, wait, I just said the funniest joke and you weren't laughing. I'm like, what did you say? She was like, I was saying how we wasted our good tit years on boys that didn't even matter. And I was like, what'd you say? She's like, yeah, we wasted our good tit years on boys that didn't even matter. <laughs> and so the valet pulls up and he's smiling. I'm like, what did you hear from that conversation? He's like, something about years. I'm like, dude. I was like, I cannot believe just that part. And all of a sudden he's driving around and it's like, we wasted our good tit years on men that didn't matter. <laughs> of these like 30 year olds pulling that around. Was literally meant to like make his day. Oh my God. I was, I literally was like, tell me everything. What did you hear? And he was like <laughs> cracking up. I'm like, He's dude, like, tits. dude, tits. Yeah, he's like, and then he looks at my tits. He's like, yeah, yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> he's like, you're still in your good years. Yeah, he's like, let me, let me see, <laughs> let me get a close up. But I was like, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often with a valet. Oh yeah, I'm sure it. I'm sure it does. Yeah, the things that they probably see, I don't even know. I know in a car. Cars are intimate. Very, very. That's too funny. Well, today's episode, we're excited to share with you, and also excited to share a little behind the scenes of our time with Aaron Alexander. Yep. Our dear friend. Goofball. It's so funny because I've been friends with Aaron for a few years. Mm -hmm. We were connected like quite a long time ago, maybe, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. And then you were connected to him on your darkness retreat, which was cool. And so it's been, it's been kind of nice to have like a little reunion and kind of meet each other in this setting now and so we saw him live in Austin and I will say he is a man that truly practices what he preaches at every moment of every day and I realize that I absolutely do not <laughs> you know what I mean like he says like you know the sun is life force and he wants to get as much sun on his body as possible to recharge his cells and all the things like his shirt is off if the sun is out 24 7 Everywhere it's you amazing. go. The shirt but that is, is the intention. And it's not to like show off his bod, which is a nice bod. We get it. Mm -hmm. But like he's truly wanting to get as much as possible. So we're at a restaurant 
and he sees like this little open area outside at the restaurant, but it's like not a part of the restaurant. He's like, I kind of want to sit over there mm-hmm. for now. No, we were like, okay. And he just like takes his shirt off or just kind of lounging like we're at the beach. Yeah. The staff was like, do you want us to serve you over here? They, they were, were like, like, we're not allowed. Yeah. But- and then the manager came out. The manager was like, hey, just so you know, we can't go this far with service. So you're going to have to come back when you eat. And we're like, yeah, it's fine. He just needs to charge his cells right now. And then he's mitochondria are, are low. Yeah, honestly, he needs to like increase his ATP. And he was serving us. He came like he was like his, his little bachelor serving us with our drinks. But yeah, he's so like, yeah, he's almost like such an inner child. And it's interesting because I even think about when we first met was years ago. And we were exploring this when we were both in Oregon at the darkness retreat. So Aaron and I were both in darkness at the same time. We were not together, but we were in Oregon at the darkness retreat together. So we got to see a totally different side of one another. And I just fell in love with him. And he's like, when I first met you, you were so in your masculine. You were so much more in your masculine than you are now. And he was talking about how I'm so much more in my feminine. And I do think that that was something that made me more available to being friends with him because I feel like at first I was kind of just in super business. I'm like, not really available for this type of friendship or someone that's so like fluid or something. I don't even know. But yeah. Yeah, just now being like, oh, I, I understand you. And he's one of those people that's like, once you understand, you're like, oh, I understand who you are and you are who you are. And I just love that. It's like yeah. when someone just is who they are, it's just such an addictive feeling. And he's got so much wisdom about the body, about health, about aging, about spirituality. And I think the reason why we wanted to have him on was because he provides such a great perspective from a male's perspective of a lot of topics that we explore and I think it would just be so much fun for us to talk with a friend about so many things that we wonder about, not just related to him, but about men in general, like how men think about certain things, like spirituality, like wellness, like their growth, and just get a boy's perspective because we're always just the gals. Truly. Yeah. And I, th- I feel like he is more open than ever. You can sense when someone hasn't always been open and they've kind of allowed themselves to be more open and like they, like you said, he's more himself than ever, more comfortable than ever is what it feels like to me. And it also like, it felt like it filled him up to be really open and vulnerable about a lot of things in this conversation. So things like, I mean, he just started therapy not too long ago. The last few months, I believe, from this conversation. And just his very real, raw account of like things that he is just now uncovering and tending to, and kind of that process and having a lot of grace for himself through the process. And yeah, it was really, really beautiful because we think that everyone's in therapy now, but. Truly, they're not, Mm -hmm. especially men. So I just loved that he shared about that experience and how it's been incredibly supportive for him in his relationships, professionally, creatively. We also talk about he's someone that I feel like I asked him about his resistance to kind of being in this spiritual Mm -hmm. world that we're we're Mm -hmm. in. And I feel like you, Krista, have like a similar sometimes view of like, oh, it's corny. Why are we saying it like that? Or these words are overused Mm -hmm. or, oh, you ruined that for me because you whatever. Everything. So he kind of has that as well. So I was just asking him about like his resistance to that. And then also how you like create your own authentic practice 
what that really looks like for him. We yeah. also talked about little Aaron and his young teen Aaron and it, some funny, weird stories. And just like this reconnection with that part of him that brought about just a lot of feelings of loneliness at that age and how that's been brought into his adulthood. And then he was really open and talking about, because we commented on his conversation with Shanti, which was such a powerful conversation and how comfortable he was talking about his sexuality and just this, yeah, this comfortability. You know, I think there's a tendency for some men to overcompensate when we're talking about sexuality to over-index on like the masculine and all that that entails traditionally. And so I really appreciated just his like softness in the conversation, the fluidity and like the curiosity he had. Yeah. Because there is such a double standard with men when sexuality. It's okay for a man to want to have a threesome if it's two women, but it's not okay for a man to want to have a threesome if it's two men and a woman. And just even being open to explore men exploring with other men, that's not as much accepted just in the circles or in the public sphere. It's like, oh, if you do that, you're gay, period. Like, that's it. There's less opportunity for fluidity culturally for men than there is, I think, for women because, you know, for a lot of women, women on women is still hot from a man's perspective and like acceptable from a woman's. I don't know if that's because of penetration. You know, there's that added element of penetration that kind of makes things a little bit more intense physically, I think, rather than women is no penetration per se in a, like a high level sense. So yeah, I just, I think that was a lot of the impetus for the conversation is to be able to explore sexuality and a curiosity with a man that's on the spectrum in a way and is open to talking about that because I think a lot of men are so afraid and how can, not we, I don't need to do anything. We don't need to do anything, but I think it's just interesting to explore. Definitely. Just having that be less of a charge and less of an assumptive yeah. type of conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This one was so much fun to record. It was like, he was jazzed. We were having so much fun. It was part of our Austin trip and everyone was DMing me during my whole trip. They were like, Is, are you dating them? Are you dating them? I'm like, everybody, <laughs> relax. He just likes to have his shirt off. Guys. Yeah. He like, just I likes don't... to have his shirt off. Nada. <laughs> Zip. Zulch. Zero. And also, I'm not going to tell you about it until I'm like married. I know, truly. I'm keeping under wraps till I'm, <laughs> till I'm married. Well, thank you, Erin. We love you dearly. This was a really fun, dynamic convo. I think you'll learn a lot, but also laugh a lot. We do laugh a lot. We hope you enjoy. We love you so much. Thank you for subscribing to Almost 30. It means a lot. This helps get episodes on your phone every single week. We have a new episode at least once a week, sometimes two mostly two. And also, if you want a daily dose of almost 30, Morning Microdose. Morning Microdose is the best podcast ever. So many people are loving it and sharing it. It has a daily dose of some of the best quotes and teachings and funny parts from almost 30. So it's between five and 10 minutes. There's no ads. There's no intro. It's just the heat of almost 30. It's the best of the best. And then almost30.com has all of our courses and programs and membership. So you can really dig into all the offerings we have there, whether it's the Life Edit, Sacredness of Being Single, or it's the Invitation, which is a breakup series that Lindsay and I did that's really powerful. And you can find more on TikTok. We're popping off on TikTok and Instagram, almost30podcast. And then you can connect with Aaron at Aaron Alexander on Instagram. And then just search Aaron Alexander. He has 
a free, I think, seven-day trial of his offerings on his website. And his website is alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. So you can explore that. And then we have another pod with him. If you want to search his name, you can search his name, Almost 30, to find that if you want more of us in conversation. And we really appreciate it. You are the best and we are grateful for you. And we'll see you on the next one. See you on the next one. Ta-ta. Okay, small daily actions. Ah, They just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. (laughs) So one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, And I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation or maybe read part of the book that you're loving. Uh, or maybe you integrate a healthy habit, like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, and I've noticed a difference when I don't take it. Um, I forgot on vacation a few months ago and I noticed a difference. I was bloated. I wasn't as regular. I started to get a little breakout on my chin. Things were just going haywire. Um, so I'm just so thankful for seed. If you are someone who wants to support your gut or your skin digestion, your gut barrier integrity, oh, I recommend seed. Their DSO-1 daily symbiotic is incredible. What is different about Seed? So Seed's patented capsule and capsule design is so unique. It basically means that the fragile bacteria within the capsule can survive the journey. So from like shipping to your door to when you put it in your body all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, and this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics in the microbiome. They're the best in the space. Um, so I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25 almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25 almost. Okay, this app has been with me through seasons of wanting to prevent pregnancy and also get pregnant. The app is Natural Cycles. It is a leading women's health company that they created the world's first FDA cleared birth control app. So the app's algorithm uses hormone driven changes in body temperature to let users know when they're fertile and not fertile. It is so easy, y'all. Every single morning I wake up, I have the uh, thermometer on my bedside table, and then I take my temperature, I input the temperature into the app, and boom. Boom. There you go. Um, it is 93% effective with typical use and 98% effective with perfect use. It's pretty incredible. Um, I know a lot of people are just thinking about their birth control. Uh, a lot of people are going off hormonal birth control. This is an incredible, incredible option for you. I've been using it for a couple years now. Um, and again, it is so easy. So the algorithm uses the body temperature to determine where a user is at in their cycle. The more they measure, the more data it will have. Um, 
And if you have an aura ring, by the way, it syncs with your aura ring and it'll take your temperature automatically. Pretty cool. You can trust natural cycles for the past 10 years. They have been setting the precedent for non-hormonal and non-invasive birth control without sacrificing effectiveness. They were the first to introduce a birth control app, the first to receive FDA clearance as a birth control app, and the first birth control app to integrate with that wearable device, the Aura Ring. They're the best. I'm excited for you all. Listen, as our listener, you are going to get a discount plus a free thermometer gravy. Use code almost 30 at naturalcycles.com to get 15% off an annual subscription plus a free thermometer. That's naturalcycles.com. You're going to use the code almost 30 to get 15% off an annual membership and a free thermometer. Just a note on the flow of this episode. So as the podcast lords would have it, Lindsay's audio, my audio was not working. So Lindsay has recorded the questions that she asked and it has been inserted into the episode, but she was there. She swears she was there. So this episode has been checked for flow and it feels like it flows. So please enjoy this episode with Aaron Alexander. You had a conversation recently with Sean T., Mm-hmm. about questioning sexuality and like talking about sexuality. And I feel like a lot of people had a lot to say on that. Mm. I'd love to talk about that. One thing I really admire about you is just the way that you are open about the conversations that you have around sexuality mm. and you're willing to go there and yeah. kind of question the norms for masculinity and what it means to be a man. Mm. But I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. So in relation to that, like I went through a phase for maybe like, a few years or so where I was just very much questioning things that I've learned and like what is true, what is nature, what is nurture, what is authentic to me, the way that I really feel outside of the influence of culture and parents and all of the the shame that's kind of like baked into elementary school and middle school. And uh, a big part of that would be calling each other fags and queers. And like, that would be like, that's how you make fun of each other. That was my up. whole, I mean, being in the Midwest, growing up in Ohio. Oh, yeah. Standard. Are you kidding? Standard. 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 Yeah. On so TV. It was all over TV. Yeah. I was watching The Hills. They were saying all, it was crazy. Mm. Very normal. Yeah. Which is why I have such an immense amount of respect for homosexual people, which it sounds like an odd thing to say, homosexual. Yeah. I think gay is probably better. Yeah. What, whatever the, the appropriate language is. People who sleep with the same sex people, particularly guys, because it's like so deeply shunned. Right. Especially if you're in like in America or in like most of the world. And so for you to go through that level of rite of passage at some point where you're like, you have to come to terms with, I am so deeply different than every mofo in this classroom. And I just need to come to a point where I just fully accept myself. And I say, either you guys accept me or that's fine. Like that's on you. And so to go through that as opposed to moving through your life in this place of like, how do I just keep on fitting in and like maintaining the norm, maintaining the norm, maintaining the norm. So I think that that rite of passage that a a gay person would go through is just so admirable and would build so much, I I just think integrity within themselves and their personality. But so I went through a, a phase of that, of just questioning what is my authentic expression sexually and what is my authentic expression just with my personality, with my interests, what I care, like what do I want to do with my life? Versus what have I, what am I trying to prove to somebody else? Yeah, this is really profound. I'm so thankful that you're able to share this. Was there something in particular that happened that made you feel like you had to prove yourself? I think that 
nothing particularly comes to mind with that, but something that I have just noticed in therapy in particular, because I imagine we'll probably end up talking about going down like those realms, is just a shame, like a deep baked in shame that manifested at a very young age. And the shame, I believe, was being like at a, the deepest level, like almost like pre-verbal, feeling like not worthy of love would be the standard cliche thing to say, but like actually that mm-hmm. and not being acceptance of myself and just not like feeling at home anywhere and not feeling a part of any group and like always feeling like an outsider. But within that, the reason that I felt like an outsider was because I actually didn't trust opening myself up to other people because if I were to open myself up to people, it would come back to confirming that I actually don't deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that would spill out into lots of aspects of my life in lots of different ways. And it still does. It's still something that I'm in observation of within myself. But in unpacking that in therapy specifically and being able to actually go in have it's almost like a like a meditation practice of sorts. My therapist guides me into noticing certain expressions, emotions that come up within me that's like, oh interesting, I'm noticing anxiety or I'm noticing like a longing or kind of like compulsive thoughts. Like I can't just keep thinking about this thing. And the therapist will help me go into where I feel that in my body in particular. And then listening into like what that has to say at a deeper level. So allow myself to go in my subconscious. And then once I open that up, typically it, it ends up going back into some part like earlier in childhood and there's an opportunity and availability to say, ah, there's some part of you when you were eight, three, 17, whatever age. For me, it was like 17 and then also around like pre-five. Some part of you that didn't get what you needed to feel safe, seen, loved, secure, supported, at home, at rest. And so there's the opportunity and availability if you can open yourself up to going into that subconscious part of you to actually re-nurture and re-provide those traits, that version of yourself that you still carry, it's still you, didn't have at the moment. And now you can go back and be like, oh, I'm going to you know, provide whatever it is that they need. For me, it was a lot of like heart-centered compassion and acceptance and just like love, unconditional love and compassion and complete unconditional acceptance. It's interesting with the conversation with the like admiration and respect of gay people and you expressing that you admired and respected them because they are a group of people that really had to go through the process of feeling potentially like they couldn't be themselves and they couldn't express and they wouldn't be accepted. And then you were someone that felt like you weren't going to be accepted, that you were kind of always an outsider, you know? In that kind of conversation of exploration of your sexuality, like, did you find yourself to be judged by friends? Like, what was that experience like? Because I can imagine that for the men in the culture that I grew up in, not the culture I'm in now, but growing up in Ohio, that would have been like... Hmm. It was more internal. Just kind of exploring, noticing impulses. Yeah. There was a time that I got the shamanic BJ. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where I like allowed myself to be available to, to the thing. To be healed. To be, have a healing. To have a magic have a, healing. A root chakra yes. healing. Which is so weird because there's the part of it that's so corrupt and crazy if you think with your mind, but then you're like, oh, that makes sense that there'd be a lot of like healing to be had. I don't even I know. I think I might have just gotten hoodwinked a little bit. A hundred percent. There's a shaman. Aaron got a spiritual BJ. It's whatever. He was jiggling. He was jiggling a bits. So I was laying. He was calling on like Sector 9 and Pluto and, you know, raising the frequencies and the vibes. This and then he was doing a lot of like, 
bit wiggling, a lot of adductor work, a lot of pelvic floor manifestation. Okay, well, I want to honor that that experience must have been quite intense, but I also can imagine that there's this desire to remain in the body or someone who is so in their body all the time. And so you're having this experience where this person is, yeah, giving you a spiritual BJ, but I can imagine the nervous system regulation is just full on at that point. Oh, their nervous system immediately would have been like violence. That's also the gift of labeling yourself internally as an outsider mm. because you're already like, I'm an outsider. So mm. this makes sense. Mm -hmm. You guys are all doing one thing. I'm going to explore and be curious about one thing. I don't have a problem with you seeing me as different because I've already labeled myself as different. Well, what does it really mean to a person outside of, of disrupting stories if suddenly their genitals graze against the genitals of the same sex or something? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Does it mean you're a bad person? Does it mean you're going 100%. to hell? Does it mean mm -hmm. that you're this thing that you're deeply ashamed of, that you've been afraid yeah. of? Like, guys have gay dreams. I've had, like, I think three or so in my life. And every time I've woken up, I'm like, oh God. And there's this like, like, like yeah. what does this mean? And it's like, yes. it's fine. It just means that your subconscious is exploring the, the infinite planes of potential. Yeah. And that's okay. I think the statistic is most lesbian women watch gay porn. Have you heard that? Like two dudes? Yeah. Mm, I've tried to watch it. Didn't do anything for me. I've never seen an entire porn in my life. You've never seen a porn? Never seen a porn in my You've life. You've never looked at porn? Never looked at a porn. I know. Hold on. I've never, I've seen clips of Kim. That's it. Who's Kim? Because I think I'm too sensitive and I would be like, oh, she's not really having fun. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. I would be like, oh, she doesn't. Yeah, I would just be. I was talking to Danny Morell mm -hmm. about this. You know, he is. He does I've like events him. and stuff. He's at a podcast. He's a sweetie. But that was one of the things that he mentioned is if you come to a point where you can really truly see every woman as being like, like your mother or the divine. Yeah. It's very challenging to see. Degrade it. Degrade. Yeah. And so there could be a realm, like watching two people have sex, I think is great. If it's in a degrading fashion, that's a problem. Yeah. And if that's something that is like a turn on for you, I think it's something to accept within yourself and it's something to explore. And like, it's not something to be like ashamed of because then that will just make it darker and deeper yeah. and mm -hmm. more aberrant mm -hmm. and more malignant. Mm -hmm. And there's something shame-based or something to clean up within yourself if that is something that you are actually like feeding on. Yeah. Oh my God. But it's something to open yourself up to and say like, what is this? It's like, no, yeah. no, you're not a bad person. Right. You're just a product of your environment. Right. You know? And so it's like, how can we come in and compassionately love even this part of you that isn't so seemingly favorable? Something that I've heard that I like is never waste a trigger. You know? So if you have, and so I apologize for using cliche language, but like that, that, something that stirs you up or makes you feel defensive or reactive or anything, it's an indication that there's some resonance with that experience or that thing or that person or place or whatever within you that's still living. It's still breathing. And when you experience that resonance, something that connects with something within you, it triggers that part and it brings it to the surface. And what's happening when it's coming to the surface is actually presenting you the opportunity to be able to process and metabolize and digest and heal that contraction that you've been holding since whatever age. And so you can start to navigate things. There's a potential to navigate things from the lens of like, oh shit, well now I'm almost becoming like anti-fragile in relationships. 
because if you do something that causes me to reel away and I'm watching my fists clench and I'm watching my masseters clamp down and I'm watching my vision gets like myopically focused. It's like, oh, interesting. You're like control. You're actually going into some version of probably some complex PTSD that you've been holding within yourself. And now this is the very opportunity for if you have an objective mind and enough resourcing and like self-witnessing to come and say like, oh, okay, like we can work with this. When was the last time you guys were triggered? This morning. What? Oh, well, I told you. I'm like having uh, some experiences with, yeah, right. with relationship. my relationship. So you're going through something, but what was like the trigger? Were you kind of like, because I see the trigger as like when you kind of like switch off and you're like the part of me that's conscious and calm and cool and collected is gone and I've mm -hmm. kind of left a little bit. Yeah. And you can bring yourself back, but. Yeah. Well, so I mean, two things. One, I noticed myself like very deeply triggered because I don't want to be hurtful to someone that I care about. Right. And then also navigating at the same time, not. So um, you're contracting in well, the trigger or you're angry? So the balance for me was not, was, was what's the balance of me doing something to be supportive to someone else and then also maintaining being supportive to myself. Right. And like what feels true and authentic to me and also not wanting to be hurtful. And the kind of sequence of events for me was being told that like, oh yeah, like I want this for you by the person mm -hmm. and then being like, okay, like I trust that this is actually what you want. And then me proceeding to do the thing and then be like, oh, that's not actually what you meant. Right. And then being in this navigation of, well, what do I do in this situation I feel confused do I do the thing that is supportive for that just feels like true and easy and honest and just like fluid for me right now and do I deserve that or do I do the thing where I kind of perhaps partially leave myself to protect and support somebody else right that and makes sense. so being in that kind of like what happened with me within that without getting into too much detail I felt fragmented and actually before coming to this I felt very fragmented and so I like cold plunged and I did a bunch of pull-ups and push-ups and like this meditation. And I like went through and did all this visualization, like all this different stuff. And it was really powerful and meaningful. And it was such a beautiful thing to be able to see myself in this very fragmented state and see myself be able to pull my energy back into myself. And yeah, so that was an exercise. Like that was an opportunity. Whereas if you don't get fragmented, then you don't exercise your consciousness. So I guess just to go a little deeper here, how do you actually make the space to address whatever it is you might be dealing with or like what's triggering you? What does that actually look like? What are those practices? What are those internal conversations, external conversations? Yeah. And sometimes you might genuinely not have the space to address your stuff. Like I'm having this experience with my mom right now where I'm, I'm uh, trying to sponsor both my parents to go to therapy because my therapist is like, like it's it's just been such an amazing experience of observing my growth and him like unspooling my consciousness and all of this my relationship with my parents and myself like all the way from since I was you know an infant and having the journey because I never would have things like internal family systems and like inner child work and all that stuff and doing the work those are all things that I would like kind of scoff at because it's just like. Mm, Got to be different. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe it's a little contrarianness. Yeah. I'm a very contrarian too. I never experienced it. And so, but then upon having the actual embodied experience of it and being able to sit with my 17-year-old self 
and in a psychedelic fashion without any any yeah, any exogenous substances but in a psychedelic fashion go in and say oh my god there is 17 year old little aaron and he's i might like cry as we talk about that, but there's 17 year old little aaron and he's you know sitting down and his like head's kind of down and he's looking away and like the background is grayscale and my subconscious is presenting me this image of a metaphor for myself that I'm still, I still am, but still a part of the fabric of myself that I carry in every relationship and every, like my relationship with myself, like every aspect of my life, he is there and he feels a little ashamed. He feels unloved. He feels unsupported. He feels like he doesn't trust the world. He feels like, you know, a, there's a, a strong connection with feeling like a disconnect from his father. So it's like primary male figure in the world. And that's just there. And as I've allowed myself the space and the guidance and the facilitation to actually listen and pause everything and just allow the intelligence of my body to start to speak, then it presents the availability for me to actually go in and do the work. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I'm fucking doing the work. It's so true. And I'm saying, okay, I will be your father, Aaron, or I'll be your mother. I'll be like, whatever you needed, I can do that. I'm resourced enough now to do that for you and have a full conversation and grab a pillow and hug and like really fathering yourself or mothering yourself or myself. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So I can imagine that doing the work in this way really changes how you see and experience and interact with your family, your parents. So I would love to to talk about that because I have found that just as I've done more therapy and more work, quote unquote, that my experience with my family in particular has changed mostly for the better or it's just different. And then because I'm different, they're kind of like, oh, like, how do we now relate to this person? And some of it's been a little crunchy. Some of it's been smooth and like just a whole new lease on our relationship but I would love to talk about just how you're doing this work has changed your experience of and with your parents so what's what's shifted with that is I now as I am going through and I'm like very in like the I think the preschool stages of self-development but as I'm going through and starting to unpack some of like the layers of myself it just comes out in the energetic conversation and then that also translates into the actual words and ideas that we exchange an example would be and this can happen in like an argument with like a a partner or parents or whatever the only way for an argument to actually have energy have fuel to sustain is if a part of you of a, a misaligned part of you is still functioning and it's resonating with that part that is being attacked or blamed or criticized or wherever the argumentative energy is, there's a unstable, misaligned part of you that's actually feeding into it. And the moment that you actually come back into healing those parts within yourself to find a center, like a through line within yourself, there's no fuel for anything that's not healthy within a relationship. So if anyone is is saying, oh, like, I think you're an incompetent piece of shit, and there's something with you where it's like, 
yeah, I don't think that I'm I'm worthy. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think that I'm, I'm whatever your whatever your baggage is. Then that misaligned part of you comes to the surface, and it literally it's like kindling. It's like oh, yeah. more, more, more. Smoke starts going up, yeah. and then you're yeah. like, oh my god, and I'm fully dysregulated. I'm out of it. And you're out of your body. And if you have some version of, they call it complex PTSD or some type of like deep kind of like trauma response within there, you will literally become disembodied and you will start to, maybe you'll start to develop hives on your skin. Maybe you'll start to develop like a, a, a rash. Maybe your blood mm-hmm. pressure will raise. Maybe your again, the pupils of your eyes will focus in. You'll just like, oh, you'll turn into this fight, flight, like animal aspect of yourself and you've left the room. The only way that can happen is if you started off and you actually had disintegrated, fragmented aspects of yourself to actually feed on. Like that, like that acts as fuel for the conversation that eventually turns into a fire. Does that make sense? Yeah. For maternal family systems, it's your exiles. So the exiles are the parts of you that you feel shame about. You feel, you know, you want to hide. And that would be the part of me that feels like I'm a piece of shit that would be activated to be, you know, integrated eventually by the capital S self okay i need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app um superhuman i have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks let me just tell you i kind of fell off of my game after i had the baby most of my time and energy was going to him still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time, but let me just say, this is new. Like this is a new type of audio that, um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future. Um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, It's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, And we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. 
I am juggling quite a bit lately. <laughs> I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products uh, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, So I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus, and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. It's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood-brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste amazing unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time. Right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site-wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site-wide. In therapy, it's so interesting because I feel like for men, it's so much more challenging to get them to go to therapy in my experience of the world that I'm in. I think you'd say the same. Why do you think that is? Why do you think men are so much less willing to go to therapy? And what would you say to a man? Yeah, men are raised to be strong, stoic, powerful, responsible. Not feeling. Not feeling. And there is value in that. There's a balance. Like I think that the the traits that women need to feel fulfilled is kind of different than men. Like men to feel fulfilled, they want to feel responsible, like able to respond. Yeah. They want to feel strong. They want to feel respected. Capable. They want to feel powerful. They respected. want to feel, yeah. They want to be like, like, yeah, I am daddy. Yeah. Like they want to like call me daddy. Like, yeah, that's right. That's not a woman's vibe. That's not what she's looking yeah. for. She wants to feel safe. Safe, and secure. Nurtured. Nurtured. And supported and melt. unconditionally loved mm-hmm. and Connected. massaged and sweet and sensuality and essential mm. oils. <laughs> Just painting the picture. That's You're what like, a woman wants. Yeah, it's a lace uh, crochet There's an aspect top, of a man that like... wants that, but that's the feminine aspect of a man. A man wants to go to war. A man wants her, his safe precious to be on the couch and he's praying for an intruder to come to the door. Yeah. And like, 
Fucking finally. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Let it's his best go. friend. <laughs> yeah. It's Gen 30. Let's fucking like, go. Like, that's very different. Yeah. And if you've had to be protected by a man, it's fucking hot. I remember my ex, I used to, all his guy friends in college, they were like, dude, we'd always start fights and my ex would always like finish them. They're like, he always had to like finish the fights for us. I was like, excuse me? Yeah. I was like, daddy would finish the fight? Yeah, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah. It could also be a toxic thing too, where daddy's trying to prove something and he feels deeply insecure. For he sure. He didn't instigate. To... He had to finish for the friends because they were too weak, even hotter. You can compassionately like choke somebody out or compassionately yeah. like throw someone into a river. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally. It's and like, then I love keep their you. heads down in the river. Like Ramdas, Ram, yeah, exactly. Ram, yes. Ramdas says, like, okay, I, like I see that you are God in drag. Yes. Whatever the situation is, he had an issue with one of the stories he has is he was going some like discourse talk thing, and he told them very specifically that he needs a microphone that is kind of like this, where it projects forward, and because if not, then he's sitting in his lotus, his lotus position, his cushion, and he needs like lean forward, yeah, which messes up his vibe. And so he goes into the place and he just turns into an asshole. And was like, I specifically told you I need the microphone that's going to be leaning in and I'm, yeah. it's going to mess up my bags and the whole thing. And just like he goes into this like reactive trigger response. And then his awareness is saying like, ah, like I see what this is. Like I see this is pulling some part of me that has some judgment about this experience. And now I'm seeing this, oh, these people are incompetent. Or, oh, I'm seeing these people don't listen to me. They don't respect me. Yeah. Ah, there's some part in me that doesn't feel respectable. Yeah. And I hate that part. And yep. I will fight. Oh, okay, cool. So here you are. Mm-hmm. And so in that situation, there's the availability to see the person that is maybe they're drunk and they're being abusive or something, or they're yelling profanities at you or something of the sort. There's the availability to say like, oh, I see that you probably felt ignored, you felt left out, maybe you were abused as a child, maybe you feel like there's this deep, hollow void inside of you that you just can't fill with anything and you keep filling it up with more beer or muscles or money or power, whatever the thing is, and you're just trying to get by. And now we're having this symptomatic expression of you being a cunt. And maybe your cuntliness is so strong that you're becoming dangerous. And because I have compassion and love for you, I'm going to put you in a guillotine and, and put you to sleep. And like lovingly puts you to the ground, which is a violent expression, but it's because this is actually for the best of everyone involved in this right now. Mm-hmm. That's masculine to masculine work, though, because that would be how the masculine would interact with the masculine. Yeah. Right? That would be an unconscious masculine and a conscious ma- masculine. Yeah. Yeah. And you could do the same thing with a woman. You probably just wouldn't put her in a guillotine. Yeah. What would we do? Put her to bed? <laughs> Take her home? Yeah. I think the next day would just be like, hey. Or like shame her. (laughs) Take videos and post them online. Be like, this bitch. (laughs) It's interesting what I've observed in relationship. If I can maintain my center when the woman that I'm with is in like a tornado. Yeah. Then she trusts me. For sure. Yeah. The odd thing is she's saying that she wants you to engage. And she's doing everything that she can to come in and get you to engage and get you to destabilize and fragment and join the tornado. And if you do that at a subconscious level, she will then disrespect you and say like, oh, I can't trust it. What happens when you get, it's like, I'm just, I'm just your girlfriend and I'm tearing you apart. And I can be a tornado as well, by the way. 
I'm just saying in this situation yeah, totally. where I'm like not in that, like, how do I navigate? Mm -hmm. If I'm out of center with myself and what center looks like is just feeling in integrity with myself, you know, and feeling like in alignment with myself, feeling like, oh, like my, my I don't feel the physiological expressions of being stressed out. And I feel like in my life, in my relationships, in my business, in my physiology, in my relationship to my parents, to my community, to the world, things feel like generally homeostatic. If I really truly embody that, then it wouldn't disrupt me, like capital M, me or whatever. It would just be something that I could actually truly see this person going through this traumatic like reoccurrence, like surfacing trauma coming to the surface right now and me be able to truly fully have compassion for that. I'm not in that place and so I can get stirred up and I can, but what I can do generally is I can come back and keep reminding myself because I have certain like anchors mm -hmm. where I will just come back and ask myself the question of like, is this kind? Could be one thing. I got that from Byron Katie. She's like, is it like that's a, a fine way to live your life? Like you can go just proceed with the mantra of like, well, is this kind? Mm -hmm. And so if me trying to belittle you because you're trying, I, I perceive you or project you to be belittling me, but it's not actually you. It's just this hurt eight-year-old girl version of you or boy version of you. It's not you. Now I'm getting pulled into this eight-year-old fight and I'm saying, okay, well, I want to make you feel like a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get you back yeah, and I'm going to bring up this thing. And yeah. like, how bad do you feel about yourself now? Now it's like, well, was that kind? And so you can, I think you can really just come back and like simple things like that. I think you could like live your life by pretty effectively. I think I've had that with women, you know, the, the tornado, if I've been in a tornado or I've been experienced my friends in tornadoes or I'm in tornadoes. I think for me, it's like so important that I'm given the space to fully have every oscillation of the tornado mm -hmm. and just say wild shit and just be wild. I'm not saying anything wild to them. I'm not degrading anyone being cruel or anything. That's what but becomes different. Yes. But I can say wild shit not to them, but just in general where I'm like, this is because there's a part of me that's activated that needs to be held space for. Yeah. It's not obviously the capital S self. It's not the real me, but there's a part of me that really needs to be heard. I had this situation with two friends where I was with them and I had something happen with work that I... Basically, there was an opportunity that I was going to have that I didn't end up getting. And the two friends that I was with, one of them was like very activated by the things I was saying. Because I was like, this always happens to me. Mm -hmm. I never get what I want. Like, I'm never going to be successful. You know that the yeah. stories come. And so the one friend was so activated by the stories I was saying where she was like, that's not true. Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to work harder? Are you going to like, and automatically goes into like solving mode? Yeah. And it just pisses you off more. And then the other friend was just like, angel. She's like, okay, you know, we can like. We can feel that and just kind of fully there. And it was so helpful because I could realize in that moment that it wasn't, it's not me there. It's the activated part of me that's there and present. And if you go to solving, that part gets either even more triggered or shuts down or even gets pushed further mm -hmm. and never gets explored to be felt, to be healed. And so I think for women, whether it's masculine with the masculine or feminine with the feminine, it's like allowing that tornado and experience and not over-identifying it or not making it personal, I think is really important. To realize and unblend yourself from the parts, though, is so key because when you're with someone and talking to them and holding space and they've blended themselves where they get activated and triggered and they're like, I'm emotional, I am these things, it's so hard to like get to the truth because you're like, that's not the truth. 
of what it is and we need to like unblend the selves from the story so that we can really work with them because that's how you can see things clearly when you're looking at it from like the person that you are rather than the stories or the exiles. But the only way you can actually facilitate someone getting closer to a truth is by just embodying that presence and that stillness and just like cool like you're like the ocean yeah and you're allowing the at the chop at the top of the water yep. to just go crazy and this and that yeah. you're like i am a safe container yeah and space for this right now where it gets a little funnier is if the person goes into violence yeah like violence in the form of nonverbal or, or ver- like verbal violence yeah, emotional or, yeah like violence be physical. Or, or, or physical like yeah. version of it and so if the person goes into the you know the like the john gottman four horsemen you know, like the yeah. attempt, blame, criticism, stonewalling. Yeah. If that's their default, where it's like, well, these are just my tools. Exactly. When I, when I feel yeah. reactive, my tools are to remove myself from any form of responsibility and go into contempt or disgust or blame or yeah. any of that. I just put it all on you. Then I, I think a more conscious, responsible adult version of relating would be like having a conversation maybe when you're both sane and you're both in some level of homeostasis and saying like, look, you need to acknowledge or be able to acknowledge that in those situations, like you are a bit of like an out of control tyrant child and is very challenging. And I can be the adult. Like I'm able to maintain the adult frame during that time, but it's really challenging. And it's, it's really putting a lot on me. And I can't just always be the adult. Or you can't just always be the adult if I'm the person that's going yeah. into like the tyrant child. Yeah. Yeah, what happens yeah. when I'm not around? I need you to feel and see that every time you do that, you're injecting poison into this relationship, this opponent processing yeah. cycle where it's like, okay, you need to win. I need to win. We go back and forth with this. All we're doing is we're just injecting poisonous arrows into the third part, which is the relationship. You never win. There is no winning. If you're in the mindset of I am trying to win, you are only fulfilling your ego and killing the relationship. Yeah. There's a gay Hendrix says in the conscious loving, the race to the victim position. Uh-huh. I mean, how much I did that in relationships previously. Oh my God. Because mm. I saw that. That was what I saw modeled between my parents was one of the two just always fighting to be the bigger victim. That was like how you would win. Mm -hmm. Especially I think the feminine really does that. Really fights to be the bigger victim because it's like damsel in distress. It's easier to win and I feel like we're better at it. It's culturally acceptable as being a power position. Exactly. If you're a victim, if you're a victimy guy, it's like, bro, stop being a pussy. Exactly. If you're a victimy woman, it's like everyone gather around and support. Yes, yes. Stop everything yes we're like bring <laughs> we have a victimized woman we're like turn on sex in the city grab ice cream let's do this babe we it's like popcorn's ready lean in we've got a text chain going you are the hottest girl around blah 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 but it's true like being a victim as a woman is so much more normalized and celebrated and i feel like that was such a power play for me i would manipulate to be the victim so much and i have so much I don't have so much sadness, but I think about that. I'm like, oh, I wish I could apologize for that because I really recognize what I was doing in that scenario and it wasn't empowering. It doesn't feel good. I just remember psychically just thinking like, okay, what have I got to do now to always be the victim? Like I just would. It oh, was you like actually just, had that awareness to be able to observe uh-huh. that with yourself? It would be, what do I got to do now to like, okay, I got to bring up this thing. 
I got to pull this lever. Cool. And you know what I would do is subconsciously I would create situations where I would be cheated on, betrayed, lied to, so right. that I could use that lever throughout the relationship. Oh yeah. To maintain. You're like you got a little nugget of gold. Yeah. You're like. Oh, it was the best. At the beginning you. of relationships, if it would almost happen almost every relationship where they would cheat, betray, lie, whatever. And then I would have that Just throughout the relationship. Drop that in your pocket. You're like, Whoop. yeah, I'd be like, perfect. Like, where do you want to go for dinner? I was like, well, where does she want to go for dinner? <laughs> My birthday is coming up. Remember yes. the time you cheated on me? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> be like, I don't want to have sex. Well, because you cheated on me one time. You know, like, whatever. I think it's craziest that I subconsciously manifested the pattern of cheating throughout my life in my family, with every relationship that I had, probably a lot for the victim thing. Mm. Uh, in addition to like my craving for desire and connection, which I was like, just love addicted. I loved desire. I loved the feeling of being desired. I love the little spice of cheating. I love the badness. Were you but the cheater or cheated on both, or both? Mm. Both. What was the ratios? Every single person I cheated on, every single person cheated on me, probably. Appreciate your honesty. I think the one, well, there was one that didn't know that he cheated on me for a lot of our relationship. I cheated on him, but he didn't know. Mm. So, How's that go when you come into, I haven't had this experience, but when you come into honesty and you say like, oh, by the way, I've been cheating on you. And they're like, me too. I've never been honest. <laughs> I wish. I was younger. I love your honesty. Yeah, I was younger. You're like, no. <laughs> oh my God, you guys, one time, like this is hilarious. painfully honest. I've never been honest. I've never been honest. honest. This is so funny. I was having dinner at a restaurant and I was cheating on the person I was with and his friend was our <laughs> server. I was with someone I was cheating on my boyfriend with. My boyfriend's friend was our server. So my boyfriend's friend is like, hey, Krista, who's this? And I'm like, oh, this is... My friend. The whole dinner, he's like, hey, how's Kyle? The whole dinner, he's asking about... It was just, I mean, the stress. Was it Kyle Lasuga? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was also addicted to the cortisol of like the chase and like the badness where like they would... One of them would leave, one would... It was just... It's kind of hot. It was so hot and I just loved... I wanted yeah, to be desired. Danger, I didn't naughtiness. feel... I didn't feel desired by my parents. I just... Yeah. It was nice to have connection. But yeah, I wasn't honest. What were you getting out of that experience? You've already said it, but like, what, what were you? I also feel really value? so much gratitude now because I feel like I've done so much healing in that where I no longer experience cheating. And the way that I experience and see cheating is so different. Like, I actually don't see it as so much of a problem mm. now that I've experienced different type of relationship lessons and, and things. Right. There's so much more pain that I've experienced outside of just physical cheating mm -hmm. of emotional, mental things that could hurt you so much more than just the experience of cheating. And now cheating to me seems like so just like something that I could really work through with someone and that I'm not, I'm really open more. Why do you think a woman cheats on a, on a man? For Gen desire generally. to embody the feeling that you don't have anymore within the relationship. I think what happens a lot of times too, is I was exploring this with a friend. I think you get into the relationship. There's that like deep polarity. You have the man who you're seeing as this being and you're very attracted to this essence that he has as a masculine you're very much in your feminine. And what I see happening a lot of times is women sort of like breaking the men down so much so that they lose their power and polarity. Oh, yeah. And they're that. almost like... Which like, is my responsibility exactly, in having a lack hold. of integrity in the first yep. place. So I was weak. Yep. And I found a person that could draw out those weaknesses. Yep. And I could put the blame on them, but that would be a very disempowered, yes. non-masculine, non-feminine, yes. just non-integrated yes. approach. And the way that you do that is making them do whatever psychically or visually making them do whatever you want to do making them yeah. just kind of like follow your lead yeah kind of just all in these ways and then you lose that polarity and then you want it someplace else yeah you're like i want that feeling again you're a master at breaking down a man with any weak points 
as opposed to perhaps celebrating a man and building a man up of and course. finding those weak points and being yes. a effective mother and saying like, oh, like this part of this vulnerable part of you, like I can love this into strength. Yeah. Instead, you're like, no, I will judge this into destruction yes. and, and crumbling and then I will disrespect you and then I'll go have sex with somebody else yes. while you're just a pile of shame. I'm like a very flawed being yeah. and I'm also brilliant and connected with everything and yeah. God and all of that and source. Like we're all both, you know, I'm like pontificating on things that I'm still in process with. Yeah. But if there is that part within yourself that you don't want to hold because you're too ashamed or scared of what lies within it and through it, the tendency would be to project that out onto another person. Yeah. And you will work on that part of yourself through another person. But because it's actually this like malignancy within you that you're just too scared to, or just unresourced, whatever it is, but probably behind that is like fear and shame or something of the sort, you'll say like, I don't want any of that, but I see it in you, motherfucker. Yeah. And like, you got to change all this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's not to say that there will never be infidelity in the 50 years that you may or may not exactly. be together. Like there's probably, you're going to live a lot of lives. Yes. If and you're in my, together for a long time. My marriage, there was never any infidelity on either side. So just making that super clear. But right. yeah, I just feel like if I have someone that is present and with me and like, and able to be with me, it's like, that's what matters. Like, I think we just forget where we're like, okay, you're with someone who's like completely unconscious, not meeting your needs you know, doing X, Y, and Z, and then they cheat and we hook to the cheating mm -hmm. so much where we don't hook to other 95% of your life together and 95% mm -hmm. of your relationship and the yeah. beauty that you've built and the cultivated, you know, how much trust you've cultivated. And I just think it's so silly because it's like the physical manifestation of something, but it just doesn't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like as you were saying that, it was like just the energy in which you said that last part of like it doesn't whatever you said exactly it was like it's not a thing that's a massive trigger for me anymore it's something that you like you feel like you understand yeah or i'm really you grateful. said it you said it in a very grounded authentic yeah. honest way it wasn't the words that you said yeah. it was like the ease in which your body expressed it yeah as you said that i felt very safe to communicate to you anything that i yeah. might be ashamed of that you're cheating on me or whatever yeah, yeah exactly but but <laughs> if, if, cheated if, on if, me. Hypothetic, other if hypothetically you and i you and i were in a relationship <laughs> yeah if that was the energy that you carried i yeah. would be able to convey the deepest darkest shadowiest scariest aspects of myself because i feel like you're a safe place and then we can actually heal and process that together if you're a safe container to hold the things that i'm scared of within myself but it's very terrifying for a guy especially because a guy is supposed to be in quotations strong, impervious, impregnable, powerful, yeah. dominant, daddy, master of time and space, in control of everything. There's no space for the hurt boy, the shadow aspect of that that man or that's that's just that being, that precious being to be on in the on the table in like the story of what a guy is supposed to be. And if a girl perpetuates that within the guy, the guy will not express their vulnerability and their truth. And then they'll feel unsafe and they'll feel judged. And then, but they have those desires. They're still breathing. They're still operating in the background. And so what they'll do instead of going to you, his primary partner, the person that he loves and cares about the most in the world, because he feels like it's dangerous to express all of him and he needs to express, he'll find someplace else to express. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, just to another caveat is I agree with you. And just you saying how embodied I am with what I was saying, just to know it was very painful for a long time for me. Mm -hmm. It was not, it's not like I was like, 
I've been cheated on, don't care, never cared. Like I was very much cared, very much felt like it was something I had to work on and come to peace with. Kind of like just my journey with my body. It's like it took a long time mm. where I would be like, what's the other, like the other woman thing where I would just compare and all of that kind of stuff. So I understand when people are in that process, but now I'm completely out of it. And, and there's probably parts that could still be triggered with you. If it ever right. existed, yeah. probably, it'll still happen. It's yeah. just the difference is this recluse uncontrolled monster yeah. that just breeds within you and yeah. is, is feeding on your yeah. energy and your relationships yeah. and it's like this parasite's just like it's getting yeah. bigger in the background the hungry ghost yeah it's just in the background it's just fucking just training and it's like taking steroids and dumbbells it's like <laughs> the austin oh, version of shadow oh, oh, <laughs> i'm ready to come out <laughs> i'm like boys will be boys <laughs> or is it this like cute little child yeah you know that's in there yeah. and it's like oh like i feel unchosen like yeah well, i don't totally. like that like it hurts you know and we, we can come in and be like oh like no 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 like i choose you mm. and like i choose myself mm. and because i choose myself i can only create a partnership or a reality or a relationship or a business or any manifestation in my life that is resonant with that because i truly do love that i feel like you are an incredible communicator. I haven't been in a relationship with you romantically, Aaron, but I feel like you just have a way with being connected to how you feel and then communicating it properly. But I would actually love to hear from you, like, what is your relationship with just feeling really free to express yourself within relationship? When does that happen? What's an example? And yeah, I would just love for you to kind of unpack that because as an outsider as a friend really i perceive you to be an incredible communicator but i guess what has been your experience and journey with that i personally i can only speak from my experience because i don't feel like an expert of these matters so in my experience the sensation of feeling the freedom to feel what i feel and communicate what i feel and be like open with like an example would be being able to experience sexual energy, just like that dynamic, yeah, like that totally. sensation of like, oh, there's kind of a vibe there. Hmm, that was interesting. I don't need to do anything with that, but it was actually like a tangible, like a currency of sorts within that. And I personally have experienced that. And I know that girls that are very protective of their guys at least in my experience, like also like that. They like to flirt. They like the sensation of being like, oh man, I, I really like it when a guy hits on me. I really like it when a guy like validates that I'm sexy and validates that I'm beautiful and validates like, oh yeah, like he wants to fuck me. You're almost exchanging this energy and it's, but it's not like you're feeding me and I'm taking from you. It's almost like two humans together collectively stirring this pot. And it's like, whoa, we both feel like a little... I feel a little sexy. I feel like a little stimulated. Like the Kundalini is twirling a little bit. It's like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. It's so interesting you're talking about this because it's kind of putting words to what I can't really explain about certain male friends that I've had throughout the years. And honestly, I feel like I've talked to my husband about this with like female friends that he's had where there's this co-creative energy and part of it is a sexual energy, but you're not having sex, you're not cheating, you're not even emotionally cheating. There's just this co-creative energy that you're both feeding off of, and it is activating something within each of the people involved. 
that feels good, makes them feel more alive, maybe feels more seen, maybe feels more like themselves. And yeah, I think throughout my time, especially when I was single, sometimes I would like get confused. I'm like, are we meant to date? And really, like, we weren't, we were just meant to co-create in that moment and have that just like kinetic, beautiful, vibrant connection. And whether we were creating something or we were just creating energy in the moment and kind of filling each other's cup in the moment. And my journey with that was like being okay with it. And same with like, if Sean kind of has that like energy exchange with a female, it's like honoring that and seeing that for what it is rather than projecting onto it what it is not. Yeah, sometimes it can just be like, a meal like a literal and figurative meal like sometimes it could just be like oh like we co-created energy together it happens when you exercise if you work out your muscles you release all of the different catecholamines and the irisins and all the things that like make your brain you know it opens up to neuroplasticity it opens up to creativity it like literally creates the currency of energy within your body by going like this with your muscles well what happens when you do a little bit of movement with your emotional muscles and your vulnerability muscles, and your sexual muscles, and your mental, mu your intellectual muscles, all of that, it does the same thing. It gets the human to like fire, it gets the human to come alive. But where it gets funny is when there's like a shame or a resistance or like, oh, that felt good, but like, oh, it's, oh. Then it's <laughs> like, then it's like, okay, well, this is only gonna go dark. This is only gonna go mm -hmm. under the rug and it's gonna just sit there and it's gonna fester and it's gonna look really good for, one year, two year, three years, and then eventually it's going to start the service. There it comes it's again. Been training. It's been it's training. Been <laughs> yeah. And it's finally like ready to emerge. And it comes out like, Rawr. like, whoa, you've been like building for five years. Yeah. And now we have a kid and you're out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you co-create that type of energy with every girl? No. No. No, only when it feels like a congruent fun thing right do you like in your body are you like oh i'm gonna turn it on i think it's something that just gets like turned on yeah i don't think there's a conscious like, a like match. Oh. yeah yeah like we're all like we are energetic beings and we are governed largely by our subconscious which if there is a bunch of aberrant contracted malignant patterns stewing with it the subconscious they'll manifest in your life and you know young said that the something along the lines of the deeper and darker the, the shadow, like the unexpressed shadow within yourself is, the more densely that will manifest in the physical plane of your life. So the deeper and darker and like, oh, that's really like unaddressed and I'm, I'm terrified of that. It's shameful and we're not going to look at that. The nastier that will express as a physical manifestation in your life because you are always trying to heal. You're always trying to find homeostasis within yourself. You're always trying to unpack that internal baggage that's what the body wants to do because I think the body knows that internalized stress manifests itself into disease and the yeah. body wants to heal. That's what it does. And so it will actually extend itself out, reform the plane of your reality, like reform like the physical manifestation of your world to project back in and say, you need to address this contractive pattern that you've been holding for the last 15 years. I mean, I think there's something nice about two attractive, like energetically resonant people 
being together and being in observation of like, oh, interesting. This feels like this could be a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. And if this were sex, then this is, I think, Ram Dass's language as well. Like the karmic load of that would yeah. probably not be worth it. I don't think that we're going to date. I don't think this is going to be like that direction. It would probably be wiser to just not do that, even though it could be a possibility. But all this other, the surrounding aspects of that are also like, they're, they're very nutritious and very nice. Yeah. And that's okay. I think that's having the discretion to be like, if you are just banging everybody, that's probably going to sneak up on you. But if you're exchanging, and also if you're, if you're creating emotional entanglements and leading a person on to believe that this could lead to a, a, a real relationship and like, wow, we're like kind of like energetically, emotionally in love. And you're doing that and not being honest with like, that's not actually what I want. That would also create a bunch of karmic baggage down the line and it will start to blow up on you. But being in a place of just like, oh, like, is it okay if I touch your knee? I'm asking you. Yeah. Yeah. If I like, if I'm just like, man, like touch is so valuable. Yeah. Like touch is so nutritious. Yeah. Like there's a, a, um, you're a touchy boy. It's because I need it. Yeah. yeah that's I true. We need it. need it. That's true. Yeah. I remember you rubbed my shoulders after we got the darkness. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. You need it too. Everybody needs it. Yeah. Like we are a touch deprived society and we're ashamed and we're kind of suicidal and yeah. we're kind of obese and we're kind of diabetic and we're kind of anxious and we're yeah. kind of addicted to pharmaceutical drugs and we're kind of addicted to our cell phones and we're kind of addicted to avoidant strategies to yeah. do anything but actually be with ourselves because we're probably a little ashamed. Not everyone but collectively, statistically, that seems like a trend. And one of the solutions is compassionate, loving, caring, honest, authentic contact. You know, and there's research that included in the, I have a touch chapter in my book, The Align Method. And one of the researchers called Dr. Tiffany Field from the University of Florida. She did specific research with babies that were prematurely born and so they were in incubators and typically the you know the idea would be like okay like keep everything sterile you know don't contact too much get them nutrients and like grow them up and then she suggested that touch is like a nutrient and so they just did 15 minutes of touch two times a day for it was like a couple weeks and what they found was the babies that had physical contact that like loving connected physical touch just for 30 minutes a day would grow 47% faster than the babies that had no touch. Whenever there's studies like that, I can't even hear them because I'm like, we have babies in plastic containers. You right. know what I mean? And Western medicine is valuable for a lot of things. But Western medicine is really valuable for, like babies died a lot in history and women died a lot giving birth. Yeah. So Western medicine does a very good job for severe incidences. We're pretty garbage for everything that's not severe. Yeah. That's like a very broad, like yeah. probably unfair generalization. But if things get severe, Western medicines don't. Yeah. Like we're real good. This is making me think about like what we put on physical touch, like how we label it, like what our beliefs are about physical touch between two people. And like I think about, you know, I have some Italian friends, right? And they are so touchy-feely and amazingly so. And so I look at them and I'm like, wow, that is a part of your culture that is accepted. You are not telling a story about the fact that two men just kissed each other on the cheek or 
that your husband is very affectionate with your best friend when he sees her after not having seen her for a while. So it's just like, how are we labeling these things? And why are we labeling these things? Like, how did we grow up? What is the story that we were told? Or what were we modeled about physical touch? Is it always a sexual thing, etc.? So yeah, this is so interesting. Yeah. And that's why I think sometimes I'll see women with good men, if you have a good man, the woman, if she's not confident enough in herself, will eventually have him not do any of that. Have dinners with friends, be with females, spend time with them, and then they'll lose the polarity. Yeah, when you're like, I don't, I don't He'll falter don't like and just be like, okay, I won't do that it's anymore. Like when we met, I liked that you were wild. Exactly. I loved yeah. it. I was so, yeah. like, I fell in love with that man. Yeah. And then I felt insecure with that man. And so I closed it down. Yes. And now I'm kind of just feel a little bit like neutral. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, maybe let the man be wild. Yeah. Within respect and with honesty and within integrity and all of that. And wild can mean a lot of things. Wild can be let the man dance. Yeah. Wild can be let the man be creative. Yeah. Wild can be let the man travel to Colombia and drink ayahuasca or let him yeah. go climb some mountain and almost die. Yeah. Like, let him be a wild man. Yeah. That's the thing you fell yeah. in love with. Your man works at Chase Bank. Let him be wild. Oh, let him out. Let him out, yes. honey. <laughs> let him kiss someone else. I find that attractive, by the way. What say? A guy wanting to fuck my partner. Oh. I'm like about it. I'm like, I want you to flirt. Same. Like, and I want to see it. The guy that I'm with is the one everybody wants. Yeah. That's my ideal. That's my ideal. I don't want you to be fucked by the guy unless I'm around, in which case we could talk about it which I've never had that experience, but like I would be open to it. I'd be open to talking about it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that's what I I crave. That's That's what I, that's what I crave in a partner as well. Open is like, is like, can we talk about it? Yes. Like, I'm not even saying I want it. Yes. Can we just explore like what could be? And then we both collectively be like, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah. Compared to like absolutely fucking yeah. no. And where is this coming from? Yeah. And what is it, like, what is this support? Is this supporting something healthy? Yeah. Is this something that actually is like nutritive for yourself, for the relationship? Or is this actually something where you're feeding some compulsive, addictive, unaddressed childhood behavior that's still manifesting in this adult body? Mm-hmm. But it's this like toxic boy syndrome that's coming out. And if it is, do you want to address that? Not you need to address that bitch, but it's like, is that something that you want to look at? Because I'm like a safe place for you to to show it. But if there's shame within it, then it just becomes very hard. Yeah, I like the potential looming threat of like, is somebody going to hook up with my girlfriend? Mm. You know, if it's actually happening and she's lying about it, big problems. Mm -hmm. But just having that little energetic injection. I love it. I like it's that's fun at the beginning. I'm gonna take her home. This yeah. is mine. And I'll fight you. I won't actually. Yeah. But maybe we're animals. Like yeah. the reason we do sport and we take like the reason athletes are the most high paid individuals in the world is they're doing ritualized ceremonies around the death, essentially. We are fighting to the death. We are doing battle. Kill like that's what <laughs> all of the millions of people around the world kill him. It's like, it's in us. We want that, like, oh, we want, like, mud on our face and, like, blood. We just don't live in a world where it really can, like, organically express itself. Thankfully, we don't live in a world where we're actually going to war with each other in the streets, like, in this country. And I also have thought about this of, I don't desire that, but there's probably something incredibly liberating to a degree. I have no idea what I'm talking about because I'm not even close to this experience. I've never been in the Army and never done anything like that. But just visualizing... What would 
I would go through in the process if I knew that I there's a very good statistical chance that I'm going to die tomorrow. And that was the pattern of my every three years. Oh, there's a tribe coming and we need to protect. It's like, what happens to my values in that moment where it's like, bro, I, I don't think we're coming back tomorrow, but we're going to protect our family. We're going to protect the tribe. What does that do to a person's soul and spirit? It would probably be a real quick reorganization of your values. And we don't have any of that. We live in a nerf reality. The most dangerous thing that you might happen to you is you might be staring at your Instagram notifications while you walk across a crosswalk. That would be like a big thing in our reality. The body, it yearns for more. And if it doesn't get more, it'll find it in weird aberrant ways and it'll develop probably weird freaky kinks and you might kind of just like, you know, it's just weird stuff starts expressing out, I think. But if you do hard things, that's why things like cold plunges and saunas and working out and community and um, authentic, like hard conversations. Yeah, like if you have a hard, hard conversation. conversation with somebody that's the word. and they accept it and you learn in that moment, like, oh my God, I've been going to war within myself yeah. for longer than I even realize. And I, we just, I just came out with this thing and we like, not maybe not went to battle, but we went to relationship with this thing. Like, that's really powerful. Instead of going to battle with something, going to relationship with something. Mm. I really like that differentiation because I think when we, from an internal family systems perspective, when we go to battle with something, we're at odds with, we want to yeah. dominate, we want to control. Just add energy to it. Yeah, well, you add energy to it, but being in relationship with something is so much more inclusive and kind mm -hmm. and integrative and beautiful. So you're saying, love. you're saying, oh, come in. Yes, exactly. Battle, I'm saying, get out. Yes. I'm going to fight you to the death. Mm -hmm. Like one of us will win instead of like loving what is. Yeah. But you if know? you're in a place where you truly do feel, what is it? Ramdas. I, I reference Ramdas way too much probably. But he says, who you think you are is vulnerable. Who you are is not vulnerable. Who you think you are is vulnerable. Who you are is not vulnerable. If you can be in that place of who you are, there's not a lot of reason to be tussling and fighting if you have enough bandwidth of like no like i know who i am and who i am isn't going to be rattled by this story that you share with me or whatever the thing is yeah. or if i die like i'm not so attached to this body again i'm not speaking for myself hypothetically this would be a direction i'd like to go that i actually really truly could be at peace if i was going to some scenario where i might not be in this body tomorrow if you could be at that level where you can die before you die, suddenly all of your life becomes like extra credit in a way. Yeah. And you can celebrate a relationship as opposed to clinging on to the relationship for mm -hmm. safety. Yeah. Because I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose myself. Yeah. It's all coming from the inside out. Again, I'm in process with all this. One of my favorite stories is that after the darkness, hearing about your schedule and your hour of entertainment time oh yeah a lot of avoidance no oh you think oh for sure okay let's talk about that so Aaron and i did the darkness not together but in different caves but at the same time yeah, i love the clarification yeah we were in different caves and you had a schedule you had a full <laughs> i mean i knew you're gonna have a full-blown schedule but let's talk about your schedule it wasn't a time thing it was a numbers thing so i'd keep track of my intervals and so i would wake up in the morning whatever that was 
And then I would start, I would do a meditation and I would go through, I don't remember what my schedule was exactly, but I think it was like meditation, prayer, things of that sort. Then I think it was music because I had a flute and a drum and a harmonica. And so then I would do music and then I would do spoken word, poetry, theater. So I'd get up and I'd like sing and I'd dance and I'd like roll around the room and I would like cry and I would like go through all of these different things. Comedy. I would do comedy, yeah. Uh, and then I would cold plunge. I would do the cold plunge like every three intervals or so. There's a bathtub. Yeah, you just water. basically turn on the water. Was was, that was major. You're like in the mountain. That yeah. was major. So I'd fill up the, the tub with cold water. I'd do the cold plunge. And then I would exercise because I was like shivering cold because it's I didn't have a fire because I didn't want to. My worst nightmare would be being hot while I was trying to sleep. So I was just like, let's just not do a fire ever. Um, and so it was like not warm, but then I would have to generate my own internal heat because I was cold which is convenient because when you're doing that, you're also generating all sorts of neurochemicals that make you feel happy and feel good. What I was actually doing throughout that was creating like a clever distracting mechanism for myself. And there was value in it. Like, so I would do 10 of those each day. And by the time I would get to my 10th round of that, generally I was like within an hour of dinner coming. And so it was like clockwork. It was very convenient for me. So my clock each day was 10 rounds of my little exercises, which is a form of me maintaining attachment to myself and to my body and to my identity yeah. and to like, I'm going to come out of this and Control. be a bad motherfucker. Yeah. Uh-huh. As opposed to be like, I'm going to come out of this and be like soft. a humble, softened, exposed yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. You got soft <laughs> a little bit on the last day in the morning. Oh man, I've been soft ever since. Yeah, I cried you got this soft. morning. I cry every day. Yeah. I literally I, cry like once a day. I love to the flute story. It's maybe like, maybe, like, maybe like three times a week. I'm not saying that to brag. It's just. I love the flute story. Why? Which floor? When you were playing, it was like really good. What did I do? It was really good. He got scared. So remember, because he brought this Native American flute <laughs> and he was playing this Native American oh, flute spirits. for music hour. <laughs> and you're in the pitch black. So, the witching but it was, hour. No. No. no you can't hear. And no. you said you started to play and you were like playing and you're like. Oh, it got too deep. Yeah. It got too Native. Yeah. And he's like, it got too Native and I got really scared. And so we're like in like these like Native black. American like mountain rain whatever. I was like pretty super tapping in. This is like four days of two natives. So you started and, to like bang the drums really loud. Well. Yeah, exactly. I flipped over the drums, but yeah, I was playing this Native American flute, which sounds like Native AF. Yeah. Like as you're playing, it's like wow, this is like it taps into something. It's mm-hmm. really really beautiful. It's like just a really powerful instrument in general. It changes your and that's what sound does. Like we're continually attuning our autonomic nervous system to frequencies of sound frequencies of light frequencies of all things and so playing it it like changes something in you and as i was playing it i think i was probably just maybe like a little bit tripping at that point but it started to like spook me out in a way because it got like a little too native like is this disrespectful like where am i in the i don't know if this 35 year old or you're white activating guy, something like there's something looking at you yeah you know? it felt like that which i think probably was almost 90% projection, maybe 10% reality. I'm not actually sure about the ratios on that. But yeah, I got a little spooked. Yeah, Thank I mean, that sharing. would spook me out. That was the funniest thing I've ever heard. You're like, because it's so real. Because you're in the pitch black and you are kind of curious. Like, I was curious why I wasn't more scared. I only got scared. I think we all I got, got scared the last day. Yes, we got scared the last day. We got Some, spirity AF the last day. Something came through the town, our little hut town. And the last day I was like, I'm scared. I'm also open to it being total coincidence. But yeah, all three of us collectively... We're like scared of ghosts the last day. Literally, we're like, oh, some somebody <laughs> came in, like someone came in the room. So we was it after we got out of the dark and, the, and it was that night. So we got out of the dark and then we went back that night. 
No. To, to sleep or? No. Or was oh, it the last that. day no, of the No, I wasn't dark? scared after that. I was scared the last day of the Okay, thing. that was mine too. It was like the last day. It yeah, just... once I went back in, it wasn't really a big deal. It was still a little bit. I was a little bit spooked actually, honestly, after that. Same. Yeah, it actually was a little bit now that I think about it's it. It's weird. It got a little funny. When I'm... I first went in, surprisingly, it wasn't at all. Me neither. I do remember one time waking up though and like waking up and looking over and you can't see anything. It's pitch black, but looking over and, and feeling like the dark was looking at me. It was like some it, looking at me, waiting for me to wake up and like, what do you want to do? It was now X amount of months later. You had the, I think the hard, like quote unquote hardest experience yes. out of the three yeah, of us. You guys had like fun and cute. No, mine was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah's was, Hannah's had the most fluid experience. His I cute. came in second. You came third. in third or fourth, Trailing first behind. for hardest. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Scott said I was one of his favorite people he's ever had. For sure. Over like 300 people. I would totally get that. What's up? What was the, now in retrospect, looking back at it, is your perception of that the same as like why it was hard? I just, right now it's weird because I like miss it. I'm like, oh my God, that was such a nice rest. Mm -hmm. That really was a nervous system reset that I don't know if I'll have access to Mm -hmm. ever again. And my perception is was it was just as hard, but it feels like it'd be easier now. Mm. And I feel like I just understood my process of healing and grieving so much more because I was able to do it. So it was like be resting, have the emotion come up, be with it, sit with it. Yeah, it's a cycle. Feel it's like nourish. Seasons. Yeah, it was. I was like, wow. And it was beautiful to have that container of that, the cycle of my emotional experience. I was like, oh, now it taught me how to do that. My reflection now looking back is not much different because I feel like I really, really, really went there in yeah. a way that I wasn't, I was really proud of myself. If it's hard, it means you're, you're quote unquote doing yeah. the work. That's what we were talking about before of the arc of relationship, which I think probably be a great book. Yeah. I don't know if there's you like a, somebody that. that wants to, I wouldn't, like, nope. You're like. <laughs> Maybe in like <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. Right now. Nope. Like not going to be writing the book. Yeah. I would only feel adept in including something around embodiment in any form of book about anything. Yeah. Yeah. You've had an interesting, you're like, oh, for yours, you've become more feminine mm. and you're more in your feminine now and you're probably not the that's man what I, in That's what I said? Yeah. In what? I forgot about my relationship. Hold on, your relationship? When we were talking about it. And I said that you became, more oh, feminine. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're way more feminine and you're probably more want to be the woman now, not the man. In this in this present moment today, more feminine, yes. Yeah, you're hot. Yeah, it's cool. There's like an energetic, like sexy resonance that's different. Before you had a, it was more motherly, and it was also more. It was tense. Uh, hardened. It was yes. like business, get stuff yes. done. Yes. And it was super funny, super comical, super like intellectual, super yeah. in the mind, analytical. Yeah. And now there's more of like this like oozing effervescent femininity that's coming yeah. out is what I experienced. Yeah. I think because right? I didn't feel safe to be very like I was like, oh, I have to be bit like if you weren't about forwarding my business in life, I was like, what's the fuck? I think now it's almost like you fill the room with like water in a way. Yeah. Like it feels like energetically you ooze through the room before it felt like you filled the room with like piercing light. Oh, wow. In a way. It was like, oh, she's like piercing. She like fills the room. Yeah. But it's more like this. Wow. Now it's more like this is what I feel. That's my Pisces nature. That's cool. Girls love to hear stuff like that. What do you mean? For a guy, I'm like, if you just tell a girl stuff like that, they're like, do you really see me? I mean, I know. It's so stupid. (laughs) Ah, It's so stupid. ah, 
No one ever sees me. I know, honestly. And like he's talking about the elements. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Girls just want to be seen, so we're like, Girls I just fill want to the be room. Seen. I know, dude. But in order to be seen as a individual, you have to have the like the capacity to feel. Because the greater the depth of your capacity to feel, the greater the depth of your ability to express what you feel. Yeah. There's a term for men called male normative alexithmia, which means alexithmia is like a, an unnecessary fancy word for a person that's unable to express their internal emotions through their mouth, like through their words. Wow. And so it's like you have emotions. So you think of a person that stutters. It's like you know what you want to say. It just comes out. It, it, it can't come out. And so we can do that. It's more typical of men because we don't exercise that muscle. I think it's like the brocus area of the brain is like the language. I mean, there's a lot of different parts, but we're not, we're literally not developing that aspect of ourselves from a, a mental, emotional, spiritual, neurological perspective. And so it just atrophies and is inhibited and that all, but we have all the feeling, we have all the feeling, but it doesn't have a place to go out. So it just stays in. And you just drink another Budweiser and you just watch another football game and you just watch another UFC fight and you just learn how to throw a punch and throw a kick and you get another dirt bike and you just stay hard, stay hard. <laughs> it's like, bro, mm. you are not that hard. Yeah. Like you were a sweet, precious little boy. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also an integrated man and you can do damage and you can go to war and you have guns and jujitsu and you can box. And you've got a car and you have, and if the heat, you can't figure the heater out, you'll figure the heater out. Yeah, bitch. If there's something wrong with the stove, like you can figure it out. Like that's a thing too. And you're this precious little child. Yeah. So to be able to hold both of those, that would be entering into like what I think Jung would call like the, the individuated self where you're starting to come into a full expressed individuated self. If you're only in the tough guy or if you're only in whatever your version of layer is of who you think you are then you are a partially disintegrated human and your life will keep on presenting you the lessons to get you more whole. Would that be the actualized self? I think yeah, you individuate from your parents and then you actualize. Oh, right? maybe I'm messing it up. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. I thought individuated self just meant like you like an in, in individual. Very, yeah. But maybe actualized self. Maybe yeah, like, like Matt. Isn't that math? Because it's, well, you're, I'm so just it's, throwing different no, psychologists. Individuated right is like, what you do is from your parents, but then actualized is the integration of the shadow because that's kind of what you were talking about a little What does Maslow call it? Doesn't he Maslow's call Maslow's hierarchy self? of needs. Yeah. Isn't it the hierarchy of needs? Self-actualization. Like food, shelter, water, and then self-actualization at the top. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they were probably boys. They were probably smoking weed together. For sure. Eating acid. They are probably kissing. <laughs> I love that. They would. Yeah, they would be. I'm so glad we got to hang. Yeah, any, anytime. I, I enjoy this. This is so good. We love it. It's really cool to get to have conversations like this because they're not they're very typical conversations what I have not recorded. This is like, I enjoy these types of conversations. That's what we were saying. We're like, we want to bring back the feeling on the pod of like the conversations that we normally have mm -hmm. rather than like, what is the scalpula? Because that's why we, when we started and we do that a lot, but it's like, that's my new mission is like, how can we just bring the juicy realness and honesty that we t have off air back? Because mm -hmm. I feel like podcasts now are so like, what is the TikTok bite? Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. That's true. And you're probably still monitoring, like, oop, clip. Oh yeah, I exactly. When you said shamanic BJ, I said clip it. Yeah, clip it. <laughs> oh, can I sh can I share about my shit? The only thing that I actually do that's I feel any level of competency in is like none of this conversation. By the way, the only thing that I would 
care to share about is I have a six-week program, and in that program, it goes through a lot of physical embodiment. And if a person is experiencing pain in their body, it makes every aspect of life a lot harder, and you will always have a distortion. You'll always have this like stick in your experience because there's pain in the body. If you lack range of motion within the body, in the ankles and the hips and the knees and the shoulders, not only does it limit a person's ability to express their full sensual self or be able to play with their kids or be able to just do the things that they want to do. It also just, I think it creates like a static in the way that a person lives their life. In that we go through, second week is all lower body, mobilizing lower body. Third week is upper body. Fourth week is movement patterns. So teaching you how to walk and run and kick and get this like kind of spiral movement through your body. It's a little sexier as well since we're talking about those things compared to like very linear structured movement. Fifth week is all nervous system regulation using your breath and vision. So if you want to feel more stimulated, more upregulated, you can do that with your breath and with your vision. If you like, just listen to Andrew Huberman. He goes like very deep into the eyes. Listen to like any yoga spiritual teacher ever. Like breath is the key to the nervous system. And oddly, it's very interesting. The breath actually is regulated by the medulla oblongata and the pons, which is the bridge between the spine and the brainstem. So your breath literally and figuratively is the bridge to your body, which is very freaking cool. And so if you understand... the bridge to God. I think so. I think, yeah, God's like, God's in there. And so if you're a person that's dysregulated in the way that you breathe, good luck having a neutral, balanced conversation with accountability and responsibility and love and compassion. Anyway, so that's the gist of that. The first week is free. It goes through a movement assessment and then teaches fundamental self-care techniques, which I think are very, very viable. And that's at alignpodcast.com slash AMP. So the first week is free is why I feel like okay suggesting it. Yeah. So that's not like a paid, it's not buy my stuff, but maybe buy it if you oh, like it. Beautiful. Love it. So you guys check that out. And I just wanted to ask, like, what is one thing someone could do to just proactively take care of their health, take care of their whole body, health, mental, emotional, physical. I would say get a coach quick. Like if there's something that you want to learn that you care about, like that's the thing and you guys have experienced this, I'm sure quite a bit, but the value of paying whatever the, the cost of a coach that you actually respect to endow you with the lessons and the yeah. 20 years of mistakes that they have made so they can just like package that right for you right now and change the whole trajectory of your life as opposed to being the person that makes 20 years of mistakes in every category of your life and trying to do it like the long hard way i think that would be something that's just an invaluable thing that i'm still working on with my in my own life and like creating more allies mm -hmm. in my world of like okay who do i reach out to this yeah and having, I reach your, out to this? having your team my person for this yeah having your support system is huge paid or unpaid yeah, whatever. Jeez. Just like organizing the allies around you. Yeah. But I find personally paying for a coach, I wouldn't even consider like my program thing to be that. I'm not mm -hmm. like saying like hire me as a personal coach, but just finding someone that you value what they're doing Yeah. and just be like, I want you to teach me how to do that. Yeah. If it's something that you really want to do, I think it's an invaluable thing. I agree. Yeah. I save a lot of time. Line podcast slash AMP. Yeah, the, the, the first week is a free thing. So you can get a movement assessment, learn the fundamental tools. So it's like different types. It's like stuff you'd learn from a physical therapist. Love it. It's like joint traction and PNF stretching and fascial differentiation and things like don't worry about what it means. But if you understand what it means, it, it's just an effective tool for any form of 
stretching, yoga, working out, self-care stuff that you'd ever do. And then on the seventh week, we do a prostate massage. Yes. Prostate massage. The guarantee is if your kundalini does not rise, you get your money back. That's it. We love you. I love you. We love you. This is fun. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Ta-ta. Thank you so much, Aaron. We love you so much. Again, it was Aaron Alexander on Almost 30. And thank you for listening to Almost 30. If this episode rocked your socks, please send it to a friend. That's how we've grown for seven years. It means so much to us. And if you want to become more involved in the community and connect with us more intimately, you can join our membership, almost30.com slash membership. It is open. We have various experiences within the membership. Whether you want a light touch or a deeper touch, we got you. So check it out, almost30.com slash membership. We love you guys. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.